Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Happy New Year! And with that, let the resolutions begin. Who doesn't want to exercise more, get in shape, eat healthier? There's something in there for all of us. But how can you get started on the exercise routine and make sure that you're not injuring yourself in the process? How important is stretching? Should it be done before and after exercise? Is hydration key to keeping your muscles from cramping up later? How can you get motivated to get out there in the first place and just get started on a positive exercise routine? Well, we are going to share some of those tips today in the studio. Dr. Ben Chun is here. He is the head of sports medicine at Kaiser Permanente and also the medical director for the Great Aloha Run coming up this February. He's going to share some of the tricks of the trade so we can all get out there safely and exercise our best. As always, you're part of this conversation and we would love to start off this new year hearing from you if you had a great start already or if you were able to make a change last year that you kept with throughout the year what was the magic what helped you to do it did you motivate your friends we want to hear some fabulous tips that you have to share with everybody else and here on Oahu it's 9413689 toll free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. If you've got some magic, we want some of that too. We want to hear about it. Share that with everybody today so we can talk about positive ways to motivate folks to exercise. Dr. Benchon, I'm tired. I don't want to. Why should I? What's important about exercise? Well, Happy New Year. Thanks happy for New me Year. Back. You got it. We all know exercise is important, and uh, we all know about the guidelines for exercise, but sometimes but we, we don't. ignore them. We, so let's we pretend them, we forgot they're boring. them. Because they're boring when you just read about them. All right. But sometimes it's good to think about what positive things we get from exercise. So we tend to think about our interactions with our doctors sometimes as just about going in when we're sick. But sometimes we forget the best care that we can get is the one we give ourselves, and that's where exercise comes in. So exercise is universally the best medicine that we have to offer by far, and there's a lot of research that backs that up. So exercise can treat a a huge variety of maladies, and it can prevent things from happening, from heart disease to diabetes. There's even cancers that can be, your risk can be lowered substantially, uh, that's breast cancer and colon cancer. It treats depression really effectively. So when people talk about that magic pill, well, we have it already. And if we had a pill that was as effective as exercise was, we'd prescribe it to everyone all the time. We already have it. Sometimes we just don't think of it in those terms. It starts to become something of a burden or a chore for us where we feel like it's another thing we have to put on our list. But we should look at it as something that's really good for me, and I can pat myself on the back when I did it. So what are some of these guidelines? Bore me with the guidelines because, okay, I want my magic pill. I want my exercise in a pill. But in the absence of it in a pill, okay, got to go walking, jogging, et cetera. But what are these guidelines? You know, because a lot of times we hear about them and it seems like, oh, I could never get that done. But maybe it's not that difficult. What are the recommendations? It can seem overwhelming, but actually the guidelines are really, really simple. For adults, it's just getting 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise or 75 minutes a week of high intensity exercise. So moderate intensity exercise, the easiest way to think about that is that you're able to talk while you're doing it comfortably, but you can't sing. So if you can sing while you're doing it, you're not intense enough. And if you can't get a full sentence out, that's too intense. That's in the intense range. But 150 minutes a week is only 30 minutes a day for five days out of the week. And that still gives you two rest days. 
And luckily also, you don't have to get all this exercise at one time because sometimes it's hard to carve out that half an hour. So you can break them into smaller chunks, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and you can easily get 10 minutes just going on a longer walk from your car to your workplace in the morning. If you park a little farther away or you take a little bit of a scenic route around, you can already knock out two of your 10-minute sessions before you even get home at the end of the day. So we talk about that as the recommended guidelines. That's sort of a minimum. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of folks out there who are just gung-ho. You know, it's New Year's. They're going to start. They're going to get excited, maybe do a big athletic event. I know the Great Aloha Run is coming up President's Day. Mm -hmm. And so that's about eight miles or so. Right. What if someone were to say, okay, I'm going to set this goal. I'm going to do the Great Aloha Run. I want to do this. And yet I maybe walk for 15 minutes. So right. how could they come up with a program? What do they need, first of all? What, what should they focus on getting if they, they want to get out there and start doing that activity? What kind of equipment might you need? Right. A couple important points. One thing is focus on giving yourself credit for doing this stuff, right? Sometimes we worry so much about the end result that we forget to give ourselves credit for what we're already doing. Credit for putting on credit for your putting exercise it on, pants. Getting started. Because the reality and going is outside. getting that minimum, it's a minimum recommendation, but that's when you see all those health benefits. So anything extra is just gravy. So even if you get this seemingly easy to get minimum, you already get all those great health benefits. So that's one thing is give yourself credit for getting that up front. I like the gravy analogy. Yes. But gravy is probably not that good for you. But I like the gravy analogy. Okay. So maybe we'll say like whipped cream. I like that even better. So okay. get, getting started. So getting started, um, part of it is uh, they use on the um, – and the the CDC website, they, they use this smart um, sort of algorithm for things. So S is be specific about your goals. Um, M is uh, make the goals measurable. Uh, A is make them achievable. And R is realistic, so achievable and realistic. And T is a set time frame. So something like Great Aloha Run would be a great example of that. So you have a set thing. It's on February 15th, which is Monday, President's Day. It's 8.15 miles. So there's a set specific Okay, that .15 will kill you. Yeah, it's the end. It goes uphill a little bit. It's .15. You're like, are you you kidding me? But crossing the finish line is so great. So that's the uh, so you set this specific thing, and then what you want to do is set specific measurable achievements to get there, and they have to be something that fits into your lifestyle. So if you say, "Well, I'd like to prepare for this, but I can really only carve out two days a week to really get started on this thing," that's okay. Give yourself credit for doing that, right? And you have to make measurable things along the way where you say, "Okay, I'm going to reward myself. I've gone two weeks doing this." regularly. I've done it. Give myself a reward for doing that. So set those in advance because you want to be able to give yourself the positive reinforcement. That'll make you keep going throughout the year. Um, The other thing is involve the people around you. Tell people that you're going to do this. This is your goal because the people around you are great motivators for encouraging you. That's why there's so many thousands of people along the Great Aloha Run route is to cheer you on as we all get that burst of energy when we walk by them or run by them. It keeps us motivated to keep going. So the first thing we want to do if we're just starting out is is honestly assess what our current exercise capacity is. The reality is if it comes down to just walking or light jogging, most of us can do that. There's very few health conditions that are really going to put you at high risk. Now, we don't want to... We want to make sure you do check in with your providers to make sure there isn't a big contraindication to going. But most people can do a, at least a walking program very safely. In fact, it's usually beneficial for whatever their ailment is. So be honest with assessing yourself. The biggest risk of getting an, an overuse injury is when you start doing new things. 
if you're like us and you, we sit in office chairs all day, essentially we're trained to sit in an office chair all day. We're really good at it. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we're great at that. We're sitting right now. So we don't get injured sitting in office chairs because they're really, really trained to do that. But when we start getting up and start doing these walking programs, we can't expect our body to just snap into that. And just because it's good for us, we're not 20 well. anymore. It's not that it's uh, it's not so much age as much as our lifestyle. If we kept playing on jungle gyms during the day during recess at work, we'd probably be okay with just getting up and running. That's a whole new concept of that lunchtime. Yeah. I'm going to go play on the jungle gym. <laughs> it would help us out a lot. So we want to do is be honest with ourselves. If we say, "Well, I really haven't done much of anything," then we don't want to bite off more than we can chew initially. We got to really make sure we recover from each workout. We tend to get in trouble when we start exercising so regularly that we don't give ourselves enough time to recover from each workout. So we tell people, start with something that you can do comfortably for 20 minutes or so, and then make sure you space it out. So initially, you might want to only do it twice in a week or three times in a week with a day in between. And you want to start with something, if you're really starting from the beginning, that you can walk a little bit, then run a little bit, then walk a little bit. So just ease into that. Um, As you get more comfortable, you can start increasing the time that you're out there, the length of time that you're jogging as opposed to walking, and the frequency at which you do it. But that's all going to be based on you listening to your body and and understanding your own feedback of, I'm a little sore, I may need a little bit more recovery, and being okay with that, not feeling like you let yourself down. It's okay. If you're if part of your plan is just to get a certain amount of training in and you achieve it, it doesn't matter if you're religiously sticking to your schedule. So let's talk about that. I get sore here and there. I have troubles. I feel like I'm getting leg cramps, etc. Mm-hmm. What could somebody do to prepare in advance to make sure that didn't happen? So planning ahead is a big thing. And, and kind of what we were talking about of, of looking at your schedule. If, if you're going to be training for Aloha Run and you know you have between now and February 15th to do it, getting a big calendar out and looking and saying, hey, here's the realistic amount that I can do in that time. Um, Stretching is sometimes a big part of like preventing injury for some folks. Um, I usually like to tell people that uh, warming up is probably this important thing. So stretching is part of your warm-up program. Kind of just getting your body ready to get moving again is part of things. Um, The right footwear makes a big difference, right? Because if we haven't gone exercising regularly, that means our footwear is probably been a long time since it's been used it might need updating we don't want to just break in our new shoes at the aloha run we see a lot of awesome blisters from doing that so we want to get supportive footwear there's no one particular type that works for anyone just Um, make sure it fits make sure it fits well make sure it's comfortable that's a big thing is make sure you've tried it out and you've gone around a little bit and you feel like it's helpful to you Um, And and if you don't know your size go somewhere where they measure your feet Yes. So that you can figure it out. If you're having problems, pay attention to those. If you're getting blisters, if you're getting the black toenails from your toes banging into the front of your shoes, that's They're probably too small. So, okay. So there are some professionals, you know, at various different shoe stores, even just folks who help you to measure your feet. We have great running stores here that have really good people working with them. And, you know, the other thing I often tell folks is bring the socks that you generally Mm -hmm. wear. Because if you go to try on shoes, then wear your dress socks that you would never exercise in. You go to put on sweat socks and all of a sudden your shoes are too tight because your shoes are, are not as big or not seeming as big when you have this 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 cushioned sock. So bring your socks. Yes. And they do have some at the store. You could try those. I don't know who else did. You might want to bring your own. So bring some socks and then try on the shoes and see if when you put them on, you know, one of the things that I think, and maybe this is something that women do more than men, and I will take absolute admission of this is 
buying shoes that don't really completely fit that look really cute. And so you think maybe I'll just wear it in on that part that seems to be rubbing my heel inappropriately. You shouldn't with with footwear. You shouldn't have to do that. No, there's you enough. You put them on. It's supposed to. It's supposed to fit. Yeah, luckily, there's so many varieties of shoes now. You really can't go wrong. You're going to find a style that works for you and any that fits well, that feels good, and also looks good to you. Luckily, if it doesn't look good, but your feet are happy, I mean, looking good's part of it. If that's part of your motivation for getting out there, all right, great. Get happy your matching you shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Matching exercise equipment. All right. Okay, so we talked about getting the right equipment. All right, so let's say you get all your stuff together. You get your, your pants, your shirt, your shorts, whatever it is you're wearing. You get yourself, you know, a nice pair of shoes that are comfortable, and you start on your program. Hydration, how important? Very important, especially here, right? Where, where Today is really, really cold, right? And so we're going to need a different amount of hydration versus days where it's really hot. And we have very variable conditions at the Great Aloha Run. We've had days where it's been raining and cold the whole time. We've had days where it's voggy and horribly hot. So you just want to plan ahead. Again, you don't want to do anything during the race that you haven't prepared to do. So you want to mimic what you're going to do at the race during your training, that way, there's no surprises for you. So the same fuel that goes into you, that same breakfast, the same kind of frequency of drinking along the way, you're going to do at the race time. So you're used to it. There's no surprises. So if you're out there saying, okay, I'm going to go start my program and I'm going to start walking half an hour, three days a week, and I'm going to work up to an hour, how important is it to drink while you're doing that half an hour? Should you be bringing your own water, getting your own resources? Is that part of it? It's the general rule of thumb is that if you're going to be out for longer than an hour doing moderate intensity exercise that you do need to start replacing electrolytes. So less than that, you can probably stick with just plain water, but beyond an hour you start needing that sugar to replace the fuel and then the electrolytes as well. So that's when we start hearing things people say like Gatorade yes. or sometimes Powerade or some of the various different vitamin water, something that has calories in it. Yes. Some people think if I'm exercising to go get skinny and lose weight, I shouldn't have calories while I'm exercising, but that's really not the case. Is that true? Right. We need fuel because if we lose the fuel, then we can't exercise to our maximum. And we're going to stop, essentially. We're going to stop and we're not going to get that benefit. Okay. So get in some calories. If you're out there for more than an hour, mm -hmm. calories and electrolytes. Look yes. for some sort of a solution. And I think along the road, on uh, usually under the bridge or under, under Nimitz, um, during the Great Aloha Run, you guys have aid stations that are there and people... People will give you water and give you other sorts of drinks that they have acquired, and that's one of those great things that happens. Lots of support right. that you so guys have along the route. At the Aloha Run, there's aid stations at miles 2, 3, 5, 7, and at the finish. And each aid station has water, electrolyte solution, and actually medical staff, and also portable bathrooms, which is always nice along the road. That is always nice. Although not all the bathrooms tend to stay that nice, but that's besides the point. Okay. The volunteers are great. They are. They really are. I'll tell you. I mean, every time I've ever done it and or volunteered, I've seen some great folks that are there out there to help support the team. So so you're ramping up for it. You're wearing the, you're wearing the gear. You're going out. You're doing the exercise. You're doing the activities. And so what are the most common injuries that people get when they get a little too overexcited, maybe start their exercise routine a little too aggressive? What are those things that can happen? Right. So uh, fear of getting hurt is actually a big reason why we don't follow through on some of our New Year's resolutions. So we're scaredy cats. Well, because okay. nobody likes I being injured. I could be a sure. scaredy cat. I am in various ways. We okay. don't like feeling not well. 
And it's true that in the past we might have done something and we got hurt, and that really dissuades us from getting back out there. So one thing I guess I tell people is don't necessarily be afraid of getting injured. Accept it as part of getting on track with a program. So but I don't want to get injured. We don't want to get injured. But sometimes just telling yourself that if it happens, that's okay, I can deal with it, is enough to say, all right, I anticipated this. And that's enough to get us through and, and make us not give up on ourselves so easily. Common- so what part of my body am I injuring? Right. I'm so- trying to adopt my injury now. What what part am I injuring? So the most common injury that we see in the clinic is going to be runner's knee. So when we start a new running program, we're going to get runner's knee, which is a tendonitis of the front of the knee or patellofemoral syndrome is the other common um, way it's called. Um, it's essentially a tracking issue of your kneecap. And when, again, we use this analogy of your condition to sit in a chair, you don't fire your body's muscles the way you're supposed to to get you walking eight miles. So as you start getting back out there, it's not like everything seamlessly falls back into place sometimes. And you kind of get your body attuned to moving the way it's supposed to move. If that happens, we use the general things that we all know. We kind of back off a little bit. We may ice. We may use a little ibuprofen or Motrin or Aleve um, just to get everything to settle down. Sometimes if it won't settle down on its own, we need the support of going to a sports medicine provider or a physical therapist and getting some exercises to get back on track. But that's where cross-training comes into play a lot is that we – don't have to only do one thing to get benefit. So if we're having an issue in one area and we say, you know, I still want to get out there and get my exercise, I can. If I substitute a bike or I go in the water and I swim or I use an elliptical machine, I can still get that benefit. I can still make gains on my goal but not irritate myself more. So if you do have a problem with your knee, for example, runner's knee, then you could back off a little bit or just pick another activity that doesn't put as much stress on the knee joint that'll make it a little bit easier so you still get that cardiovascular benefit, those good things for your heart and lungs and brain and all those other organs that you won't lose your abilities just because maybe you're not out there running or jogging, you're just on the bike or the elliptical like you mentioned. And temporarily. And that's why planning that ahead and saying to yourself, hey, if I get hurt, I have kind of a plan in place that I might use makes a big difference because it doesn't just derail you right away and you don't get down on yourself. You say, okay, I know how to deal with this. I had a plan in place I was going to use. Now, tell me, knee braces, like them, hate them, love them, do they do any good? They can. So if you have an issue that can be uh, helped by specific knee braces, there are knee braces that help the the kneecap tracking then they're great. Uh, some people get benefit just from wearing the sleeves themselves. Um, the way you can think about it is when something's touching your body, it makes your brain a little bit more efficient at firing those muscles. And that's one of the reasons people get benefit from some of the braces and some of the different taping that you'll see people using. Um, as long as it's not causing you problems, then it's all fine to use. Again, whatever's motivating. Some people just put it there as like sort of a mental crutch or just a little bit of a backup for them, and that's fine as long as it gets you to your goals. If it doesn't hurt, you can tape it on up. That's a real. That's what I use in my clinic all the time. If it's if it's working for you and it's not causing pain, then go ahead. It's go fine. for it. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Ben Chun from Kaiser Permanente, and we are talking about how to get in gear, literally, what kind of gear do you need, but also what else can you do if you want to start an exercise program and you want to know how to avoid getting injured or accept injuries and know how to handle them best. If you found a great way that you could motivate yourself or you found an activity that you love to do that you've kept with for the last year, share your story of success. We'd love to 
hear it. We're going to hear hopefully some positive stories from folks about what really helped to get them out there and keep them out there doing the exercise that they enjoyed the most. You can give us a holler at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Ice Age, Despicable Me, and Minions, and the guy who's helped to make all of them. It's the most collaborative medium that I've ever been part of or actually ever seen. I'm Molly Wood. How the man behind some beloved animated characters stays creative. Next time on Marketplace from APM. This evening at 6, following The Body Show. What do these three men have in common? Mark Dunkerley of Hawaiian Airlines, David Carey of Outrigger, the developer Stanford Carr. All three live here and run locally headquartered enterprises. So I gathered them together before HPR mics to talk about what might happen in this new year just begun. It first ran on New Year's Day, but you can hear it in the afternoon of Thursday, 5 p.m. Thursday on HPR2. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Ben Chun from Kaiser Permanente. He is also the medical director for the Great Aloha Run coming up on President's Day this year. We're talking about how to get motivated about our New Year's resolution to go out and get more exercise, probably in combination with eating healthy and keeping ourselves going as best as we can. And we were wondering what motivates you. We've got a caller on the line, Walter from Kaimuki. Walter, welcome to The Body Show. Aloha. Happy New Year. Thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year. Thanks for calling. What can we do for you? Well, um, positive motivator is uh, two little dogs that give me a stare down at 8 o'clock if I'm not getting their leashes out to put them on and take them for a walk. Very cute. they're, They're very disappointed if I don't start putting my shoes on. So, but I'm starting slow because I've, I've just been real busy over the several months and a lot of driving. So I started doing you know, just small, like one mile, but there's a, somewhat of an incline coming back up. And I noticed in the, that night around three in the morning when I generally start to wake up a little bit and I stretch, I get cramps in my calves. So someone told me that that's potassium and to eat bananas before I go to sleep. And I'm wondering if if there's truth to that. Well, it's an interesting question, Walter. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of folks have a similar experience where they start a new activity and they start having symptoms. First off, I love the dogs giving you stink eye if you don't get going. That's a great motivator because, you know, if you don't take them out, they're going to do more than stink eye. They're mm. going to stink up where you live. So another You're motivator, saying, yeah, making know, sure that they... How do you they, know uh, my dogs so well? Uh, you know, I, I just generally know dogs, and I've got some cats. They don't walk. You know, I've tried to take my cats outside, and I look like some crazy lady trying to walk a cat that just does not want to go anywhere. So, you know, dogs make it a little bit easier, and they're cute and motivating. But it's a great question. Dr. Chun, mm-hmm. uh, Walter, he's going up a hill towards the end of his one mile. He's, and, you know, he's doing great, but then all of a sudden, 3 a.m., ding, ding, leg cramps. What's up? It's a really common complaint. I have to put an additional plug in for the dogs. They are the, the world's best personal trainers because they're really 
consistent. Yeah, that's true. I want to go now. There's no real way to convince them that today's not your day. So they're an awesome motivator. Um, Cramps are, because sometimes cramps are like the common cold of sports medicine, right? There's a lot of theories as to why they happen, and we don't have a lot of good solutions necessarily. But the nighttime cramping, so usually if it's a, a electrolyte imbalance thing, so the salt issue, it's usually when you're exercising long enough where you're actually going to deplete your body of salt. So unless you're out there for you know, longer than an hour, hour and a half, two hours, it's probably less likely to be the salt that's the issue. Or the potassium. Or the potassium specifically, okay. right? So you don't want to like extra salt yourself. Now, if you're doing the Kaiser Permanente Great Aloha Run, that's a time where you probably do need the salt contribution. But for your uh, particular exercise, Walter, it may be more just – Sort of the, it, it, we think it's related to sort of the stretch receptor issue in the muscle that's kind of, as you stimulate it, stimulate it, stimulate it, it gets kind of like hypersensitive and then it's sort of reacting in the middle of the night by binding down on itself. And what seems to work really well for that is actually stretching before you go to bed. So not just stretching around the time that you exercise, but before you get in that bed, getting up and then doing those calf stretches. And that actually makes a big difference. Um, sometimes people notice that it's a certain amount of time after they go to sleep that they get it. And so sometimes like set a little alarm and get up and actually do a little bit more stretching just to prevent it from happening. But that seems to work the best as opposed to adding salt to your diet. Fantastic. Would heat or cold uh, at, that, at that pre-bedtime stretch would... Uh, Cold compresses? Yeah, it's help? sometimes it's a little bit of an experiment. They both both heat and cold have good things that they do for our bodies in terms of recovery. The cold tends to be more of the anti-inflammatory effect. So as as we kind of break our muscles down as part of like the building process, um, that inflammation is kind of uncomfortable, and that delayed onset muscle soreness is part of getting out and exercising. Cold really helps for that. Heat makes us actually feel better, right? So cold can actually make us a little bit stiffer and feel uncomfortable after we do it, while heat actually relaxes muscle tissue. So I like the sequence of I've exercised today, then I kind of put myself, I've iced down or put cold on things that are uncomfortable, and then I take my warm shower at night so everything's nice and relaxed before I go to bed. So that's the sequence I do it. Not everyone responds that way, so you you can play with it and say, you know, I really like the cold better right before I go to sleep. Nothing wrong with that. Whatever seems to work for you. Fantastic. Thank you for the great advice. You're welcome. Thanks for your tip on the dogs. All right, Walter. You have a good day and enjoy taking those cute little dogs out. And hopefully, you know, this will encourage people to get pets. I'm a big pet fan. They've done studies, actually, that have shown that pets help people live longer. And, you know, I think I got I got to admit, though, it's the dogs more than the cats. I think it might just be because they make you exercise, you know, whereas cats are like, I'm going to sit here. They improve mental health. They, they do. They do improve mental active, health. And, they improve mental uh, health. They, they, they do in, in various frustrating ways. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing like the attention of a cat that normally ignores you, right. and then you want to play with it because, oh, my God, it's giving me attention. Um, but, you know, Walter, you got a good point. Get out there with your pets, and it makes the walking even more fun, and they're very consistent. If you've got a tip or you've got a concern about what happens when you're being active, hey, give us a holler. Let us know, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, We did have a question during the break, and it was, we've talked about this 150 minutes of moderate intense exercise where you can, like, talk but you can't sing. And then you mentioned 75 minutes if Mm -hmm. you're high intense. So what's an example of a high intense exercise? So that's going to be more the, you can't complete a full sentence at a normal speaking voice while you're doing it. So that's going to be things like running, right? Right. CrossFit probably fits into that too. Um, 
and so various higher intensity things that you do. Um, I should throw in resistance training. There is a recommendation to get at least like two days a week is some kind of resistance. So it can be body weight stuff. It can be going to the gym. It can be doing weights. Um, but usually that's the good rule of thumb is that I, I use the kind of how much can you speak while you're doing it. Um, so whatever that is, if it's cycling, um, because there's touring cycling where you're going at a pretty low pace um, and it's comfortable. And then there's like where you're pushing yourself up hills and things, and that's much more intense. So the nice thing about intensity is that it shortens the amount of time to get that health benefit. But as you increase the intensity of things, your risk for getting injured and overuse injury goes up. So you got to keep that in mind. Now, what about the folks that feel like their moderate intensity exercise mm-hmm. is high intensity because they're out of shape and they're not good at it? I, I guess I'd say that the if you're out there, give yourself credit for that, right? right? Walking is still you get the a bonus. Wor- yeah, the walking is still the world's best exercise. It, you know, it really is. They've and... actually said that it, you know because a lot of people as they get older get injured with walking. Mm-hmm. The best exercise is to do something that you know you need to get really good at it, and thus walking is one of those. If you had the choice between walking and running, easier on the joints. Should you be a walker? It, I guess it totally depends on your goals, right? So I, I try not to make my goals other people's goals. So if your goal is to just be outside, be active, then walking's fine. If it's to get a specific time at the Great o- at the Kaiser Permanente Great Aloha Run, then it's okay to push yourself as long as it's your goal, right? And that's why we I always encourage people to be specific about what they want to do because if you leave it vague as to I just want to get in better shape or I just want to go to the gym more. It's not more, those smart goals, right? Not specific. It's not yeah, uh, we, measurable. It's hard not, to give yourself credit for something that has a vague outcome. We want to say, "Well, I did it. You know, I went out today. I got my 30 minutes. Good for me. I took a extra long route to get to my office this morning." great. You know, and I can tell a colleague and they can say, good job. You're doing great. And next time, why don't you join me? We hate those joiners. (laughs) I mean, you know, the ones that are so proud of themselves that say, come with me when we exercise, you know, they're going to lap you. You know, they're going to make two laps while you're struggling to get behind them. You're like, no. That's why it's your goal. So you go home and you pat yourself on the back. You say, this is what I did. Say, I did it myself. I'm not hanging around those fast people. Because they're just going to make me feel bad about myself. And if we need specifics, if we're, we're kind of looking to get inspired and we're not sure where we want to go because we don't even know, it's been so long we don't know what we actually enjoy, then there is the the Kaiser Permanente Great Aloha Run Expo before the event. So that's running February 12th, 13th, and 14th. It's one of the bigger expos they have for health and fitness, and they have a lot of different vendors, really interesting people doing a lot of different exercise things, some things you wouldn't even think are exercise, a lot of dance things and everything, a lot of different products to help you and motivate you. That's all going to be there too. So if even if you're just thinking about it, come down, check it out. It's a really good event and it would probably get you really inspired. And if it's not this year and it's next year, then you'll know more about what the whole process is. And people can volunteer. Mm-hmm. They can take take part in other ways, sort of find a way to become part of the whole event to make just to inspire them and inspire other folks. So we mentioned that you mentioned runner's knee or patellofemoral syndrome or tendonitis of the knee is one of the common areas that sometimes gets people in trouble. Um, What are some other areas that give people problems? I'd say the other most common thing that we see is going to be shoulder so when people start, they, they get that gym membership and they or they've dusted off that gym membership and they get back in there. Most common injury to the shoulder is going to be an overuse injury to the rotator cuff. So it gives that kind of deep gnawing pain at the shoulder, bothers you when you sleep at night. It's hard to reach for things overhead or reach back in the car for stuff. And that 
is the quickest way to derail your your time at the gym because it just makes everything hard. And you say, well, you know, it's just not going to work out for me. I shouldn't do this. And one of the things, again, if you plan ahead, you can get over it um, or you can avoid it from happening in the first place. And the other thing is just recognize that this is a common thing as you get back to this type of training. So if it happens, do the little basic stuff, see if it kind of settles down. But if it doesn't, go in and get checked out. We can definitely get that fixed up and get you back out there. Now, there's something unique about the shoulder that I always found kind of curious. The shoulder, the more you move it, the better it is. Your shoulder doesn't like to be static. It doesn't like to be kept in one place. It's a rotating joint. You want to move it around a bit. And people tend to get tight shoulder or stiff shoulder when they don't move it around. Mm -hmm. So if you feel pain and discomfort, that's actually not the reason to just not move it at all. That's a reason to start doing some stretching and maybe move it a little more. I think it's sometimes it gives you the, the sense that, hey, maybe I have to think about how I'm moving it, right? So which exercises do I need to do? Do I need a personal trainer? Do I really not know how to use the equipment in the gym? I just thought I could follow someone else along. But maybe when I'm getting started, I just need to link up with someone, have them go through, make sure I'm doing it correctly. Again, we're going to have the best time with if we're avoiding injury and we're getting those improvements and gains that we want to see. That's just going to make us inspired to keep going. So planning ahead makes a big difference. Well, and I'll give a shout out to most of the gyms I know of that if ever you were to go and ask one of the people on the floor, whether it be at the Y or the Honolulu Club or 24-Hour Fitness or any of the gyms, if you say to them, I really don't know how to use this machine, can you show me? Most people, most of the gyms will have somebody who can show you the correct way to use it because you think you're following that little that little picture of the guy or the girl or whatever that figure is. And you're like, oh, I'm doing it exactly like that. And somebody that's an expert looks at you and they're like, no, you're not. What are you doing? So, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of 90 degree angle for your legs or it might be something else um, for your body or your back. But it's one of those great ways that if you're not sure, sure, you can try a machine at the gym, but it's always good to have somebody who's an expert just review. Are you using it correctly? Because it shouldn't hurt, but it also shouldn't be so easy that you can do the maximum amount without using the right body, the right, the right body part. Right. Yeah. Now, what about the back? Some people say, if I start doing a lot of walking, my back hurts. Is that something that you see a lot in folks who start this new exercise routine? Hmm. Could that usually just be bad posture? Well, because usually we're, we're actually telling people to get up and start moving when their back's bothering them, right? So backs are another thing that hate being in one place for a long time. So it's not that we don't get used to doing that, but it's not something our back likes very much. Um, so when people throw their backs out, quote unquote, usually the prescription is rest for a day or two, but then get up and move. We've got a lot of evidence and studies behind if you stay there and you keep lying around, you're going to be worse longer. So getting up and moving is really, really good for our back. But that comes into the whole, like, get the right footwear, right? Make sure you're starting a program that you can handle, right? And you have enough recovery time in between. Um, attention to posture is important, but probably less so like while we're actually moving and more so when we're kind of sitting, so in between, right? Because remember, we're using our back. Now we're exercising muscle. It's going to be tired the next day when we come to work. So we got to pay attention to how we're sitting and things. we got to do things to take care of ourselves. But that's a really good important point, which is, you know, take a look. It may not be the posture when you're exercising. It might be the posture when you're sitting. No, if you're at the gym, though, that's a totally different story. If you're lifting weights, then that postural stuff is really, really important. And we can, we can get a lot of back injuries from doing that and not doing it correctly. 
Well, and they talk about also the core. Yes. What would you describe as the core? Because some people have varying thoughts on what that really means. But if you said to somebody, I want you to do core strengthening, what is it you're really talking about? Well, core is not your abs. That's on the outside, right? So doing sit-ups and things isn't necessarily targeting your core. I don't know. Easy, one way easy way to think about it is if you put your hand over your belly button and then you try and suck your belly button away from your hand. So you're just pulling your stomach in or your, your abdomen in. That's the core. Those are the core muscles that are firing. They're the stabilizers that kind of brace our spine when we're doing things. And they're dynamic muscles. They, they, they're not just there to just hold things rigidly. They have to be able to hold things and allow you to move comfortably. But everything in our lives tends to work against this because we have chairs that will do that for us. And we have ergonomic everything. And that sometimes takes over for us and makes us comfortable when we're sitting there, but then it doesn't allow it to be exercised enough. So when we do need it, when we're out doing something like hiking or something, we feel it. And that's an indication, hmm, maybe I need to spend a little more time on my core, whether that's some yoga, doing some planks, right? Stand-up paddling is great for core. You need a strong core to be able to do that. Um, Lots of different ways to address it, which is a nice thing. So you can, if you want to be one of these really technical people that do specific exercises, you can. And if you want to be someone that just gets that full body workout just from going on a nice hike, you can get that too. Well, and it's an important point, which is a lot of chairs that are ergonomically set up do the work for you. Right. So when you sit, you don't need to engage those muscles because the chair is supporting you in certain ways. And in fact, that might be the very thing that is making it weaker when you're when you're walking around or moving around. So is that sort of the theory behind some of those alternates to chairs, like the big exercise ball some people sit on or some of those other forms of they're not really they, they're chairs with no backs or something along those lines yeah. is to really force those muscles to be stronger? Yeah, there's standing desks now that are really popular. They have desks with treadmills underneath and things. Yeah, it's it's you know, we're designed you know, our bodies were designed to be essentially hunter-gatherers, right? We weren't designed to sit in office chairs all day. So when we do, we can get used to doing that, but it's not technically how we're supposed to be. So sometimes it's kind of an interesting concept, right? Like a, like a desk with a treadmill. I'm just trying to think logistically of how that would work. I mean, it you works. know, because you have to sort of be able to talk but not sing. I guess you could mm-hmm. dictate your charts while you're walking. It's an interesting concept. Um, And certainly something that I know some folks have done. I know some former colleagues of mine that are still at the Mayo Clinic have actually, they've been in their Mayo Journal with, you know, pictures of themselves at their desk and they're walking, they're moving, you know, the walking meetings kind of thing. So it sounds like it would be certainly a good way to incorporate exercise in your everyday. You could get your 30 minutes. Easily. Easily. If you want to set up the first office playground in your office, I haven't seen the size of my office. It's pretty small, but it's across from Thomas Square. I think it would be fun if we had, I don't know, some sort of jungle gym at Thomas Square. Then you could see the adults kind of over there playing jungle gym. In between patients, run out there, do a couple laps around the swings and the monkey bars. I want to be on the swings. I haven't been on a swing in a long time. I used to love the swings. There's no age limit, technically. Technically, we, we sort of stop ourselves. Don't be the creepy adult who's in the children's right. swing set saying, "No, Bobby, you're five. It's my turn. I'm an adult." Don't I, be that person, right? I do ask patients why. It seems like we, at some point in our lives, we think we can't do that stuff, and then we wonder why we feel older. I don't know. It is, there's no age limit on doing jungle gym type activity or goofing off. I don't know. I feel like you're like Walter's little dogs giving me stink eye. Like there's no age limit why you can't be at the jungle gym. <laughs> if Kozak. you really wanted to go on the swings, all right, say you can't. 
I, I don't want to take a swing away from a child. No, don't but do that. I see your don't point, though. That. You know, when did we when did we start thinking that being indoors in an office all day was the ultimate fun? We give kids recess at school, you know, different places. They go mm-hmm. outside. They run and play. When was the last time that adults took recess and said, I'm going to go run outside and play, even if it's just walk around the park? And some folks are really good at that. Mm-hmm. Beginning of the year, a lot of people start doing that. But then... As time goes on, it's easier to get your work done, get your charts done, get your phone calls answered, et cetera, and then just never to leave that desk when, in fact, that could probably be the worst thing. Right. And that's what gets it into where exercise for adults tends to be another chore, where we look at it like, I have to get this done. It's another assignment. And it's very regimented. And sometimes that's what's just, it just doesn't inspire us the way other things might. And so we try to get people to think more broadly in terms of exercise. It doesn't have to be at the gym or it doesn't have to be doing one thing over and over and over again unless that's your specific goal. Sure, it It could be be getting out there and trying. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago I was doing. Kaimuki adult education tennis lessons. I could not get out of beginner school. I tried like three times. I'm like, am I intermediate? They're like, nope, you're still a beginner. You still don't know how to hit the ball the right way. But, you know, it was still it was fun. It was an activity. It got you engaged. It made you enjoy it. And you just didn't feel like it was as much of a chore as I must go walk up Diamond Head. I know the view. I must go do it again. It's sort of something fun and engaging and interactive and even if you're not good at it, I am living proof that it could still be fun. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sports I'm not good at, I'll tell you. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Ben Chun, and we are talking about sports activities and how to get yourself motivated for the new year. And he is not only a sports medicine physician at Kaiser Permanente, but also medical director for the Great Aloha Run. What a great activity that could motivate all of us to sort of get out there and do something good for ourselves, good for all those around us, and also a great charity event as well. If you've got a motivating activity that you like to do or a little secret you want to share with the rest of us, give us a holler. We'd love to hear it at 941-3689. Toll Free Neighbor Islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. The news can sometimes be overwhelming. C'est un acte de guerre. Hollande said France was under a mass shooting in San Bernardino. A police officer killing a child. More than two degrees Celsius. Above Total and complete shutdown of Muslims. Syrian refugees here being put under a magnifying glass. All Things Considered is here to help you make sense of it all. Listen every afternoon. Weekdays from noon to two. On the next Humankind... We're all kind of like teenagers driving a speeding car. We can't believe it could actually crash. No one, I think, can really get their arms around this and really think that this is going to happen. A longtime emergency room physician tries to prevent the biggest emergency imaginable, nuclear war. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Humankind. This evening at 6.30, following Marketplace. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Whole Foods Market Hawaii and Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Ben Chun from Kaiser Permanente, and we are talking about why should you exercise? Why get out there? Is it going to actually help you? What if you get hurt? And what if that means that it might be painful. 
Well, we've got some answers for you, and we've got some really good reasons why exercise could be the magic bullet that everyone's always looking for. If you've got some suggestion on what motivates you and what you've been able to do with your activity that might just help motivate the rest of us, you give us a holler at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, you know, a lot of times we talk about how good exercise is once you get out there, but a lot of folks kind of get down because maybe they have some medical conditions like diabetes or high blood pressure or high cholesterol, and they just feel like it's overwhelming. They take all these medications and they just don't know what to do to feel a little bit healthier. How important can exercise be for those folks too? So let's it's not just for the athletes, right. right? So let's throw some numbers out, but let's let's keep it positive too, right? Because this is the the day of positivity in the new year here. Um, so one of the things that exercise does that's surprising actually is that if you have a chronic disease such as diabetes or chronic heart disease, you can lower your risk for uh, stroke and heart attack by up to 40%, just if you get that 150 minutes a week, which is huge. You're 40%. You're, 40%. 4-0. 4-0. And the other thing that's interesting is you can see some of those benefits, even if some of those measurables that we're always harping on don't change. So if you have someone that has uh, hemoglobin A1C, which is one of the measures of diabetic control, that doesn't change. And the only difference between a person with the same number is that one exercises and one doesn't. The one that exercises still has that same 40% risk reduction for those bad outcomes. So we tend to, some people get a little discouraged when they come to the doctors and it's always about numbers and you're not quite getting there and things. But if you do that, and one of the things that we do over at Kaiser Permanente is we take what's called an exercise vital sign because it is important. Because if you're doing that, then it's not just, hey, you're not quite getting to the number. Look at this, you're doing this, you're getting your risk reduced quite a bit. Um, other now that's things. an important point. Let's yeah. just let's just focus on that for a moment. So you have two people with diabetes. One of them may have an A1C of let's just say I don't know six point eight percent. The other one six point eight percent. Person number one exercises one hundred and fifty minutes a week. They watch their diet. They take their medication. They're still at six point eight. Person number two couch potato doesn't do so much exercise, still takes medications, same A1C number. That A1C is that three-month average sugar value that we talk about in a percent. Goal is to be less than seven. You're not diabetic if you're less than 6.5 or, you know, you've well-controlled diabetes. And so those two people, person A who exercises, even with the same A1C, 40% reduction in those bad things like strokes and heart attacks because they exercise. Right. That alone takes away the numbers game. Because although, yes, you want to get your numbers down low, by being able to do the activity, you're actually keeping your heart and your body in better condition. We still want to target the number because you sure know there's, we do. there's a big risk reduction in targeting the number. But, but we- same number... Better right. benefit if you're doing activity. We don't want to discount your efforts. So if you're doing those right. things and you're feeling like you're getting discouraged because you're trying so hard to get this number down, it's another way of saying, hey, I'm really doing a good job. I'm getting this in. I'm really, I'm getting those benefits, whether I see it pay off in the number or not. Right, it doesn't we, make me give up on getting the number correct, but I sure. want to be able to see that positive thing. Well, and we may not be able to measure those other benefits. Right. There's no blood test that says, yes, you're exercising. No, you're not. I mean, it's, it's not really that simple. Right. So there's so many other immeasurable benefits that you can get that are not going to show up on your standard metabolic panel and your blood test. And we know after we, there's a lot of data on depression after having a heart attack, right? And we know that exercise too, is, a, absolutely, right, yeah. is, is a powerful um, 
antidepressant, and so that's going to play an important role to someone after a heart attack for reducing that. We know you have a much higher rate of having another uh, cardiovascular event after one of these big events if you're depressed. So if we can get that number lower by getting you out there, engaging with the world, feeling better about things, that's going to lower your risk too. Um, Falls, as you get older, we are at higher risk of falls. We know exercise both reduces your risk of having a fall, right? That'll put you in the hospital and get a, a hip surgery and things. Um, but it also uh, improves your, your uh, it decreases your likelihood of actually fracturing anything if you go out there and you happen to fall because you're fitter, you have more muscle, your bones are stronger. Better balance, all Better sorts balance, of things. All, all right. sorts of things. Well, we've got some motivators on the line. We have Edwina calling in from Makiki. Edwina, welcome to The Body Show. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. What motivates me? Well, I'm a stroke survivor, and I promise the Almighty that um, I'm just going to go three days a week to the Y, and I want to see my children and my grandchildren mature and grow. And it's wonderful for generalized anxiety and depression to get those endorphins up. It feels like a whole new day. You know, Edwina, it's like, wow, why didn't you just come on? I could have just had you. Sorry, Dr. Chun. <laughs> no, but you're talking all the perfect things that you're mentioning. You know, you mentioned surviving a medical event like a stroke, avoiding the anxiety, depression, getting the endorphins out there, having kids be a motivator, grandkids be a motivator, and having that, that concept of spirituality as well, because that's another very often underrepresented, underrecognized, underappreciated reason why people get motivated and they go out and do exercise and activity. Good job, Edwina. That's awesome. That is like you've encapsulated exactly what we're talking about just with your experience. Because <laughs> a lot I have of people. Scoliosis, so I have plenty of excuses not to go, but I just make sure that I go. Excellent job, awesome. Edwina. You well, keep that up. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that. All right, we've got another motivator. We've got Catherine on the line from Makiki. Catherine, you're living around the same area as Edwina. Welcome yes. to the body show. Thank you so much. And. What I want to say to people primarily is that when you're looking for lifelong fitness and change of eating habits, you know that you're in this for the long haul, and I can guarantee that results will be good. I have practiced yoga for over 30 years. My sons practice yoga, and I gave yoga mats to my little grandchildren for their gifts this year. And uh, my grandmother was a natural vegetarian. She fed us from the garden all summer long. We would can, um, at the end of the summer, can fruits, some vegetables. And that was what we thought food was. And once in a while, we would have her baked chicken and lots of fish. My grandfather was a fisherman. And in raising my own uh, family and my spouse, I just decided that growing children do need some meat, but not at every meal, and that they can learn to eat good homemade soups and lentils, nicely seasoned, and, um, of course, chicken soup, uh, vegetable soup, and I now do a great miso soup. And, um, you know, you can introduce greens, vegetables into all these uh, dishes. 
but it is a lifelong undertaking. And you get to the point where your body signals you that, okay, you've had enough to eat. This is really good, but there will be another meal. And as far as the yoga practice on Saturday mornings, usually my body just keeps saying we want to keep doing this and I will do a two-hour practice. And at this point, my primary thrust is spinal alignment, which, as you were talking about, the shoulders, the hips, the knees. All right, Catherine, you have just made us all hungry, and you are doing a fabulous job with your activity. We got a little static on the line, so we're going to cut it a little bit shorter. But, boy, talk about motivating. So, you know, that's the other thing that I think sometimes people don't realize is that when they're doing something, you have young children, when you're out there doing an activity and exercising, they're watching that, they're noting that, that's having an impact on what they do as well. I, I think one of the important things with, with that particular caller, and that was a great encapsulation of like what life, what a fit and, and healthy life is like, is that it doesn't seem like a chore to her. It's not a burden. It's something that she does as part of her life, and it's fulfilling in of itself. And she's passing that on to her family members. And, and like you say, her example is, is, is great for her grandkids or kids. Um, that's, what, that's a thing to aspire to. And, and she's right in that you don't always have to see that immediate result. You know, we're an immediate result kind of society. We want to lose 25 pounds in like a month, even though it took us four years to put it on. Right. So she's saying if you stick with it, it's going to grow into your lifestyle as just part of you. And it, it's going to be motivating in of itself. Well, and I like that concept of the long haul. You know, it really is just some lifestyle changes that you're making that you may not see an exact immediate benefit, but if you just stick with it over time, you will notice some positive changes. And, you know, it sort of gets to the whole concept of make some goals that we said are those smart goals, those easily achievable, measurable goals in a certain time frame. But then also keep in mind that it's not just about the great Aloha run. It's not just about this event put on by Kaiser Permanente that's one day. It's about the whole entire concept of, okay, now I've done eight miles. Now, what else do I want to do? How do I keep up this energy and momentum? And then maybe even transfer it into the marathon. Who knows? But it's really about identifying that this is an activity that you've achieved and don't stop there. Right. Reflect but she made on me the little. Yeah, because she was. She reflecting, made me hungry. You know, reflecting she's, on the little things. Right. She's talking about all just the the miso flavors soup flavors of the soup she's making. You know, cause I know she, it. She's coming over, Catherine. And she's able to kind of appreciate all those little things in her life because she stopped to pay attention to it. And I think that's a good lesson for a lot of us. Is it's not the end goal necessarily. It's as we're going along. It's well, how did I feel after I came back from that walk? Was I a little less stressed? Was I a little bit more productive in the afternoon after I went for that lunch walk? Did I like that? Did I like that feeling? Did I sleep better that day? And those are the things that are going to keep us going. And sometimes if we focus so much on this this big goal, sometimes we forget that that's what's important. And that's the little things that keep us going. Well, that and keeping your body moving. Yeah. So the areas of your body that crave motion, everything, but in particular, shoulder, spine, legs, all the muscles, really, all the skeletal muscles want to keep going. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to be static. 
So, you know, during the day, I mean, yes, you have an office job, but you're often, often getting up, walking in, seeing patients, going to different rooms. So there is some activity associated with your job. I often feel bad for my staff because, you know, they usually just, one of my staff members just literally sits at a desk all day. And I think, wow, as much as I complain that I walk up and down the hall, I'm glad I can walk up and down the hall because if I had to sit at my desk all day, I think it would be really difficult. I try not to use work as as counting towards exercise because I feel like exercise for you has to be just for you. It's your thing. It's something you get something out of. So unless your job is the most fulfilling thing that you have in your life where if you wake up and you have nothing else to do, you can't wait to get into work. Really? <laughs> then, then I'd say I'd rather people use the other things, right? Because we have a lot of people that do a lot of really physical jobs. So we have a lot of our construction workers and things. They do really physical work. But that same kind of stress relief and things maybe not doesn't come as much from them doing that. But when they go out and they go diving later, right, and they get out and they get out by themselves, that's what kind of recharges them and refuels them. So even though your work is physical, we want it to be an activity that's just for you. You carved it out for yourself. So you can give it's just time for yourself. Well, and that's another concept that we, we could have several shows on, stress reduction. Right. And, you know, why it is that it might actually be better to go for a walk around the park and not be on the phone or even mm-hmm. maybe not even be listening to things other than standard outdoor noises. Right. Just to sort of recognize the normal sounds of life and, and enjoy that. Hear the ocean if you can. Walk by the water. Not just be stuck in this mode of, okay, must go from point A to point B and then run home and do this and do that and do the other thing. So stress reduction, another huge thing that we really, it's a huge benefit of exercise and activity, particularly outdoors exercise that tends to give people that nature component as well that, yeah, I don't think, I don't think we get enough time outside, but we can't complain about not getting enough sunshine, I have to say. So what's your favorite activity? What do you like to do when you've got time, when the kids are home or when they're doing their homework? What do you like to do? Oh, you're asking me. I'm asking okay. you. Put me in the hot seat. <laughs> Putting me in the hot seat. Um, I'm kind of like you. I'm not good at anything in particular. Um, so I just kind of do a variety of things. I like lifting weights. I will ride my bike. I will sometimes run. I'm not a runner, but I recognize that I feel better when I do it. So I will go and do that. Um, Jungle I'll, gym. I'll surf. Now that I have kids that are on the jungle gym. You're on there with them? I got to get on with them. Um, yeah, I guess it looks a little strange, but it, it's it's fine. Well, um, I think probably all the other parents are like, look at that guy. Wish I could be him. He's on the swing with his kids. You know, they might want to just join you. You're setting a trend. As long as you're moving around any particular day in some fashion, let's call it all, we're, all I'm going for. Fabulous. So you're, you, you mentioned you get out in the water, too. You're doing surfing. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So a little bit of time for yourself, time to work on activity, time to keep your body healthy so that you can you can be around, just like Catherine said. See your kids, see your grandkids. That was Edwina, I think, and, and watch them all grow up. All right. Well, we want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today here on The Body Show. And thank you. And thanks to the callers. They're really useful information today. Motivational, inspirational, and all sorts of good stuff. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. We'll also put a link on our Facebook page to how you can sign up for the Great Aloha Run put on by Kaiser Permanente. Our engineer today is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich, and Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week on my, right here Monday on The Body Show. See you then. Mm-hmm.